Would you give a big welcome one more time to Adriel's mom and dad, Pastor Benjamin and Nivia. We're so glad to have them here with us today. So this is kind of uh, really like week one. We've got a couple of other cultures that we're going to celebrate over the next couple of uh, weeks as well that are calling real life their home and, and their family. And it's a chance for us just to kind of connect in a different way with those who uh, are, uh, are in our family and, and really what the family of God is all about. So we're going to take just a minute or two, and I'm so glad to have you here with us today and celebrate. You know your boy means, I know he means a lot to you, but he means a lot to us, doesn't he, huh? He and Martha and the family, yeah, so, so you raised him right, that's for sure, yeah. So I wanted to ask them just a little bit, um, so we're going to talk maybe culturally, so maybe for Pastor and Nivia today, what traditions were different growing up, or as again, maybe part of the Puerto Rican culture, maybe versus what is seeming to be so typical here uh, in the United States. So maybe when you were growing up, was there like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? What, what, what would have been the differences when you guys were growing up? Well, first of all, I thank everybody to be here today. And I'm, I'm glad to be here with my wife and my boy, Jesus. And um, my, my English, my Spanglish is better than my English. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, uh, what would be the question, the question was, uh, what, would be, what is the difference? Yeah, so when you were growing up, growing up like mm -hmm. in Puerto Rican, what yes. was Christmas? How would it differ from yes. what, like the commercialization yes. that we think about, you know, well, today? I spend more time here in the United States than in Puerto Rico, but I can't, I can't remember. I, I, I do remember things that we, that we did in Puerto Rico. Um, first of all, we don't, we don't celebrate the, 20, the 25th. We celebrate the, the, the Christmas Eve, the 24th. Okay. It's the one we, we, the whole family got, get together and we make arroz con gandules. Rice and beans and all that. And, and the pork. And the, uh, we, uh, yeah, we uh, roast the pork, the pig, you know. And a lot of people have pasteles. Pasteles is made with, uh, with bananas. With, uh, we, uh, we have the green bananas. And we make a, a mix. With, we make a mix with, uh, with, with meat. And we... Delicious. <laughs> I have to, so I have, food, that's, I, a, that's the same thing, right? I, I, actually, I had some last night. It was, uh, my my sister-in-law makes some. And, and the, the difference between uh, uh, in United States and Puerto Rico in Christmas, the Christmas start pretty, pretty early. Mm. Yeah, in Puerto Rico, uh, right after Thanksgiving, starting Thanksgiving, and, and, and they go from there, my goodness, it's forever. They take forever. <laughs> and and uh, we don't, so, some of the people that have, uh, uh, they give the, the, the present to the kid the 25th. And the 25th, they, uh, like Christmas Day, some people that they, um, maybe they, they, they wasn't here in the United States, they keep that tradition that give the, kid the, the, the gift. Before, I, I never, I don't remember, never <laughs> get, get, get a present that early, like in 24th and 25th. We just eat like nobody's business. <laughs> And after 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 the dinner with uh, with the kids, we, we used to get together and and play uh, games table uh, table games. Pardon, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, my my. Yeah, that's, we got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we used to for the kids have fun, you know. And the dinner was like about six o'clock enough uh, at night, but then we stayed until midnight mm. or past midnight. And for those that have a that have a that they serve God, we do matutinos. 
Matutinos. Yeah. Say matutinos. Say that. Yeah. Nice. Still had the eye boogers and all that <laughs> stuff. And, you know, they would have to open up the door for 50 crazy Puerto Ricans knocking on their door with guitars, let them in, start the coffee, cut out the cheese and crackers and batagwayaba, which is guava paste that you put on the crackers, which I think we're going to have some of that out there today, which we're very excited for. Um, yeah, so probably, probably easier to do that when it's 80 degrees in Puerto Rico on Christmas than in Erie, right, oh, on Christmas we, we Eve, did but you still Erie, did it, right? Yeah, so yeah. We still did it in Erie, yeah, believe me, crazy. it was very cold. Yeah, how, so. about, how about with mom and dad, Did you or were there any family traditions that were specific to your family? So our, Debbie and I were talking, we started a long time ago with our kids with like reading the Christmas story, like before we opened gifts or, you know, really got into Christmas, like, we had our kids read the Christmas story, or that was, that, and that, our kids are adults now, and, and when they come home, we still do that. Is there anything in particular that you, just maybe your family or with all of your boys, uh, do together as a family of how you celebrate Christmas? Well, um, God bless you all. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was in Puerto Rico, our family was always together, um, and before... Um, we were about to have the dinner. Uh, we always listen to music, mm. Christmas music. It's um, Christian mm -hmm. music. Sure. Um, they call villancicos. That would be carols, mm -hmm. Christmas carols. Mm -hmm. We sing all that, and then uh, we will have the dinner. And we were so expectant of everything that was going to be served, especially mm. the desserts. Oh, we love desserts. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> like the bleque, uh, arroz con dulce. That's mm. coconut pudding. Yeah, yeah. Rice pudding. Yeah. And especially, uh, we were not allowed to go, like my son explained, to go to different houses. Our father didn't let us do that. <laughs> but we... I remember that we were listening to all the parrandas, the music, you know, of people in the uh, where we lived, mm. because we couldn't go, but at least we, you know, could listen right. and still get joy from listening to all that music. Yeah. Um, for us, it was, the music was the main thing. Right. Like, uh, as you can see. <laughs> yeah, kind of caught up, huh? music, so <laughs> I guess that runs in the family, sure, but sure. in all Puerto Ricans too, because we love music. Yeah, that's what it Typical is, Typical huh? music, aguinaldos. That would be songs dedicated to, like, uh, the birth of Jesus. Mm. I love those, mm, so. Yeah. And then we tried to keep singing that in our homes when we moved over here yeah. to Iwi. Yeah. When we had our kids, we tried to teach them all the traditions that we used mm, to do, sure. especially the, the three wise men, mm. the one that took the yeah, presents to yeah. uh, baby Jesus, and we uh, always talk to them about it. And that's when we uh, used to get our gifts oh, in Puerto wow. Rico. Yeah. So, but nice. we try to teach them about that. Sure, too. sure. So, so we kind of grow up knowing that if you've been good, 
all year, like that you're going to get gifts, but if you haven't been good, Santa Claus puts a lump of coal in your stocking. So I was wondering, most of the time, would Adriel have gotten presents or would he have gotten a lump of coal? Huh? Come on, we want, think, we want I, to know. I think I should have got coal all the time, <laughs> but I had really nice parents. <laughs> they, <laughs> my wife... My wife was talking about the three wise men, and we celebrate after Christmas. Uh, the, 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 Christ, the Christmas extend those days all the way after 16 days of Christmas. We still have Christmas in Puerto Rico. It's like what they call the Octavitas after um, the wise men. The, the wise men tradi tradition, you know, the, 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 the three wise men went to give the, uh, Jesus when he, when he was born, the presents and all that. We, we keep that tradition. People keep that tradition. And that's why they don't get present in the 24th or the 25th because they wait all the way to January 6th, which is the day that they celebrate um, the, the, the wise men. Mm. And it, it's funny because my, my mother used to, she said, if you don't cut grass for the camels, you ain't going to have no present. <laughs> so, so we used to, <laughs> early, early, the, 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 in, in, uh, we used to go the, the 5th, uh, January 5th, uh, early because in Puerto Rico it started getting dark at six o'clock, uh, five six o'clock yeah six thirty. Yeah. So early we used to go to the to the field and, and cut some grass, tie them up, or put them in the box, in the, the shoe box or whatever, and put it under the bed. So when the camels, uh, when the wise men come at midnight, supposedly, <laughs> they 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 pull it out of the grass, they give it to the camel because they. They were so hard walking so many, so many miles, okay? It's like Santa Claus now. With a, okay, so they, they were so tired and so thirsty, they, they had to eat, okay? So the grass and maybe water, and then the mother and night, the father, they used to remove that grass and put the present under the bed. Oh, wow. So in the morning, the first time in the morning, first thing we do, we, we look at <laughs> under the bed, and that was the present right there. That's great. Oh, my God. That, yeah, yeah. That's that great. Day. So that, that's, that's the difference between here and over there. The, 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 the Christmas is extended all the way. Yeah. And they didn't make octavitas where the people make promises. Mm -hmm. They promised uh, to the saints, one of the saints, I don't know, uh, you name it. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, they go and they sing the Holy Rosary. They pick it in Octavita, they go and they, they do the, the Holy Rosary and they make an altar with, a, with a whatever they make the promise and they start singing the whole rosary, you know. Mm. Uh, my mother you, was one of the singers, that's why. Yeah, it just he, kept, he, kept right up. He, huh? he picked up for my, my, my mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and we had so much fun and, yeah, Christmas actually it was, it was pretty, pretty Yeah, nice. so it sounds like the Puerto Rican Christmas goes late. And ours, how many of us started like uh, back in, like before Halloween, right? You went to the store and, and we're, we like start way early, I guess, right? Um, and, and so that's cool. And what a neat story about like uh, putting the gift or, or putting that under the, under the bed, right? I, didn't, I have never heard that before. So obviously, as the Carabellas have talked a lot about um, the food and the celebration uh, that happens around Christmas time, uh, we're so blessed, um, again, to have so much of that culture here at Real Life that there have been a number of families that have been working over the last couple of days. And so what we're going to try to do is at least end 
on time or not real late, uh, because outside in the Connect Corner, there is a full spread of uh, Puerto Rican um, celebration food for Christmas. There's, uh, we'll let them explain it, but uh, little uh, cookies and, and treats and things that would be very common. There's some punch that uh, Adriel's mom made for us, and so we want you to spend a little bit of time. Don't like rush away, but enjoy the culture a little bit more. And, and one thing, Pastor, uh, real life, no matter what our culture is we all love food here. So this is a big win. So would you give them a big welcome and a big thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today. How wonderful. Well, as I mentioned, we're excited over the next couple of weeks to introduce some other cultures uh, from far and wide around our globe that uh, call real life home. And we want to take just a minute um, and be able to kind of uh, look at Christmas a little bit differently uh, through the eyes of those who celebrate, maybe in different ways or in different formats. And so we're excited. We've entitled our Christmas series this year, An Out of This World Christmas. And I want to take a couple of minutes and lead you on this opening journey just to talk about this wonder and this splendor that certainly is Christmas. I think what's the amazing part of the Christmas story is how diametrically opposed this incredible story plays out in front of us. I mean, I want you to think about it with me for just a minute. The Christmas story introduces us to this amazing event that God is leaving his world and coming into our world. I mean, go ahead, take a moment and think about that with me for just a moment. It's truly an out-of-this-world Christmas. He left heaven. He left his splendor, his glory. He left his world. And Christmas is the celebration of him coming into our world. How many of you have come across something and wondered, how have these two unlikely things come together, right? I mean, there are a number of things where you kind of wonder, like, how did this ever become a thing? So one of the things that's a really a negative for me, I'll give you one of mine, is people that put eggs on their hamburger, all right? Like, I got to think, that whoever came up with that, right, and if you like that, Make sure that you come to the altar after church today, right? there, We've got to pray. We've got to lay hands on you and pray. Let me tell you, eggs do not, believe, do not belong on a hamburger, all right? I'll give you one of my wife, right? So I don't think this is, uh, this is that bad, but, but this is her go-to. So whenever we go to, uh, uh, like Wendy's especially, right, she might want a Frosty. And guess what she gets always with her Frosty? Oh, my gosh, you're all... Man, our altars are going to be filled today, let me tell you. Yeah, she wants French fries to dip in a Frosty or in a milkshake, right? Like pretty two unlikely things that, that somehow like came together. Now, if you're a little older, how many remember Julia Roberts, uh, the, the movie actress, right? Pretty woman. Do you know that at, at some point in, in her journey, she married a country music singer by the name of Lyle Lovitz, right? The, the pretty woman, let, let me just show you a picture of these two, yeah. 
Listen, I, like, I'm sorry, but like, now, and if you're wondering, like, let me show you him on his own, right? Let me, we'll show you another. Yeah, like, like, does the pretty woman really go with that guy, right? I mean, we kind of wonder, like, how did these two things ever come together? Well, as we journey through this Christmas story, I think that's the revelation that we're going to come to, is how is it that God left his world and came into ours. I think if I could give you one more unlikely scenario is that the Son of God left the splendor of heaven and he came down here to us on earth. I mean, you'd have to agree with me today that it's almost unbelievable. I think the challenge is is that, that we've now played out so many Christmas stories that I think we just get enthralled in the story with ever really realizing the full impact of the story. You see, the epicenter of our story starts in a stable, believe it or not. I know some people have asked, why was Jesus born in a barn? And I think the primary reason, among several others, is that because from the very, very beginning, and, and maybe unfortunately still like today, there was no room for Jesus in our world. You see, our story starts in, and again, almost unfathomably, an incredible way of the Son of God not just coming to earth, but beginning his introduction to us in a stable, in a barn. You see, after a long and arduous journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem to participate in a census, Mary, who we believe was about to give birth at any moment, along with Joseph, they pulled into town very late. And it seems too late to get any proper housing for the evening. And it was the innkeeper who could only provide some subpar accommodations, certainly, to say the least, that was a stable at the far edge of the property. And while everyone else was tucked into a nice warm bed after having their bellies filled from celebration and people that have traveled afar, it was the Son of God, our Savior, who was about to make the most unnoticed of all appearance. Today, his name is pronounced in every language, in maybe all four corners of our world. Today his name certainly is praised, revered, and it is cursed as a part of almost every culture in the world. But when he came, no one knew that he was there. His coming to us was the most unannounced of any king that should ever grace this earth that we call home today. In one divine moment, the great king of the universe stepped out of the glory of heaven and stepped into what seemingly to him must have been the gutter of earth. Can I take you back this morning just one second? Just one second before we would hear the cry of an infant child who was now quickly being wrapped in swaddling cloth. It's a little other more misnomer of the Christmas story because I think, again, we have fantasized the story so much that even when we hear about baby Jesus being wrapped 
in swaddling clothes, we kind of have this idea, at least I do, that, that it was this wonderful cloth that, that, that Mary was able to find and that he was hugged and, and tightened so closely. In fact, because that's a part of where our culture is today. I love seeing Bailey and Caitlin now with little Winnie and, and as, as they're getting her out and, and uh, walking her through uh, uh, our offices and with, with the family here that, that Caitlin often has this swaddling type carrier and, 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 and the baby Winnie is just tucked in so tight and you know you kind of peel away the cloth a little bit just to get a look at her beautiful face and, and I think that when we hear the Christmas story that Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes that we get this image about how wonderfully that moment must have been but let me tell you church it could not have been further from the truth. In fact, the, the closer interpretation of what we would redeem as swaddling clothes was swaddling cloths. And these would have been rags that were left throughout the barn that oftentimes the shepherds would use to help with the, 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 the application of, of ointments to the sheep and to the lambs as they would be grazing out in the pastures and they would find different thorns or bushes that would scrape their, their being that there would be these rags that oftentimes were filled with all kinds of whether ointments or things that had been wrapped around these sheep and these lambs. And the honesty is to consider that when they had baby Jesus, they began to look around quickly as to say, how could we keep this little one warm? And the only thing they could find in a barn were the rags that they would use to bind up the wounds of the little lambs and the sheep. I know the songs make it so much lovelier and practical that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. But really it wasn't this wonderful item that they had ordered off of Amazon that showed up two days later that they could wrap their wonderful little boy in. But it was the rags of this earth is what endeavored to bring comfort to the Savior of the world. And then they laid him in a feeding trough. We know it maybe more practically as a manger. I don't know how many moms here today would have been that comfortable no matter what time you grew up, no matter what culture you lived in, but to take your brand new little baby boy and to find rags, filthy rags of a barn to wrap your brand new son in and to realize that the only place that we have to lay him would have been in a filthy, nasty feeding trough of the barnyard animals. You see, there is such a contrast in the cultures of heaven and earth coming together on that very first Christmas. You see, in that one previous second, we become enthralled by seeing what Jesus left, the splendor of heaven, the home and the culture that the king of the universe had at his command. Talk about a room with a view. There aren't many that give us a picture truly of what heaven is all about. Jesus talked about it, and John was given the privilege to get a glimpse of what heaven is all about. Debbie and I, as I had mentioned earlier, have had a chance over these last couple of weeks 
to travel. We, we went away for a while, and then last week for Thanksgiving, we went to New England to see Jocelyn, which, by the way, is doing extremely well. She's loving it up there, and she's having the time of her life, and it was so good to be with her for those couple of days. But because of our travels of the last couple of years, Debbie and I have become part of the Marriott Travel Club. Now, you might not know this, but I'm a pretty big deal with Marriott, all right? In fact, I am a titanium member, all right, which is pretty up there. And one of the perks that we often get now as a titanium member is that we get upgraded oftentimes. So that when I go to a Marriott hotel and start the check-in process, more times than not, the person on the other side of the counter is, welcome, Mr. Grover, glad to have you here today. We've upgraded your room status to a suite. And I'm like, yeah, right? In fact, sometimes I don't even tell Debbie. I, she, you know, I, I want it to be a surprise that when we get up to the room, sometimes she's asking me, like, did they upgrade us? Like, did, you know, like what kind of room do we have? And I, sometimes I don't say anything, and I, I just kind of, and, and we kind of open up the door, and man, the, there's, there's this incredible, wonderful, nice suite for us to be in. And it's this wonderful kind of surprise that comes along And I recognize today of all of the rooms that I've been able to stay in under the Marriott brand and some of these wonderful suites that we've been upgraded to, can I tell you today that as many as I have been in, none of them compares to the view of heaven. As good as we think we have it here today, the view to the room that that John gives us a picture to. You see, this one second before Jesus came here to earth, this was his domain. This is what was normal. This is what he knew and understood as to what the glory of heaven would be all about. John says it this way, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, And he showed me this great city, the holy Jerusalem. And descending out of heaven from God, there it was filled with the glory of God. Somebody say amen with me today. That we know that heaven is going to be filled with the glory of God. And as good as we have it today, it is nothing but here the gutter of earth compared to the glory of heaven. But John goes on and helps us to understand that the foundations of the walls of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Ladies, give me a little bit of forgiveness here. I'm going to try to read them, but, but I don't buy, Debbie, these kind of jewelry items that much, all right? But the Bible tells us that the first foundation of the throne of heaven was jasper, the second made out of sapphire, the third out of saladone, the fourth were emeralds, the fifth were sardonyx, the sixth was sardius, the seventh was crystallite, the eighth was beryl, the ninth was topaz, the tenth was christophase, the eleventh was genus, and the twelfth was amethyst. I want you to think, most of us put our foundation where? Underground. It's something that we don't consider. It's something that we don't look at. It's not a prized possession. Most of you that are going to have people come over to your home for the holidays, I I would imagine, are not going to take them down into the basement, right, to look at your foundation walls, Right? I, I mean, I, can you see your guests come in and you're, you're standing there and you're like, yeah, I want you to know this is cement. 
Like, I, I want you to see what we did over here, all right? We stuccoed over our concrete blocks. Look at it. Just look at it. Isn't it beautiful? You see, that's, we don't concentrate on the foundations. And John helps us to see that the foundations, the underground of the throne of heaven, are filled with the most precious of stones that we could ever hope to have. Does that give you an idea of what must be above ground? If the foundation is that which is most precious to us, is simply almost meaningless in heaven. You see, the glory of heaven. But he goes on beyond that. You see, he's not done. He said, there around the throne of heaven were 12 gates. Each of them were made with 12 pearls. Each of these gates made from each of its own pearl, and the streets of the city were as a pure gold, transparent as glass. You see, this was what happened one second before Jesus came to you and I. This was his world. This was his culture. This is what he knew. But can I tell you today, more than it being a palace for us to ooh and ah about, that heaven for us is a perfect presence. Hebrews chapter 12 says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. You have come with thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. I don't know about you, but as much as we try to bring about joy at Christmas, we have commercialized it so much. We have stressed it out so much that how many know that for so many it's hard to even have joy at Christmas? People today are in desperate need of joy. I don't know about you today, but I would imagine somewhere in the hecticness of life, that you are lacking something that is providing or the needed fulfillment that you have. In much as we're trying to rush around, rush around, rush around, and yet we are missing the center of what Christmas is all about, to know that heaven loved you and I enough to stop time and to step out of that world and to step into your world today, to know that the one thing that he can fill you with, no matter what this world says, is joy and peace and love and caring for all eternity. You see, that's what the hope of this Christ child coming into your life today promises for you and I today. One writer put it this way, that heaven will be a place of unimaginable blessing. It'll be something more. It'll be an eternal reunion as well. The splendor of heaven will one day reveal this wonderful truth. You see, currently, as we look around this room today or in our world, we may look a little different. We may speak a different language. We may have different color skin. We may celebrate these seasons differently. We may have grown up here on earth with different challenges. But look at what heaven will provide for you and I today. The Bible says to us that John said, I looked and beheld a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, and all tribes, and all people, 
and all tongues standing before the throne of the Lamb of God. There, not clothed in swaddling raiment, but now clothed there with right robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out together with a loud voice saying, salvation begins and belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb of God forever. As much as there are differences here in our world, aren't you glad that the reunion that we are going to celebrate in heaven together one day will not be based on, re, on, on race or on speech or on class, but together every one of us will be around the throne of God in the glory of God declaring, great belongs to our God and to him who sits upon the throne. You see, it was that glory that God wanted to bring down to put inside of each and every one of us. Can I take you back now, back that one second where Jesus left all of that to come to you and I, to be welcomed into a barn, to be wrapped in the filthy cloth of the animals, and to be laid in a trough. You see, the view of the stable was the words of the, shep- of the angels to the shepherds that you will find, this will be a sign to you, that you will find this splendor of heaven, this God, this king of the universe, this one who is seated at the right-hand throne of the Father, this one who was was deemed by his father to speak this very world into existence. It will be a sign unto you that you will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. You see, little did they understand. You see, shepherds would have gotten the scenario. The barnyard was very familiar to them. Swaddling cloth they knew all about. A manger, a feeding trough, very familiar to them. Could you imagine what was going on in their minds in the moment of an angelic host filling the sky, telling them that something miraculous had just taken place? You see, the setting was familiar here on earth to them. But who was going to be in that manger was beyond their wildest imagination. They could have not believed that he who set this world in motion would be he that we find in a manger. You see, I think we've all faced why questions in life. Some of you might be there right now. I think for some of us, we've tried our very best to sit with somebody or stand beside somebody, helping them with the why question that they are facing in the moment. Why did this bad thing happen? Why didn't I get that job? Why did this person have to die? Why did I experience this kind of pain or abuse in my life. 
we'd never give anyone time here today because emotionally it's still a pain. It's still a hurt in their life. But, but please understand, you wouldn't have to look too far to your left or to, you, to your right, even in a room like this, to recognize there are people today still questioning that why in their life. Why a moment like that had to happen. And so let me speak to those of you for just a moment. You see, if you think God doesn't care about you, then first I think we have to answer a similar question. And that is why God was willing to come to us the way he did. If we understand who God is, I think the first question that, that helps us then move into bringing healing and help into our own life is that there was a God who is above and beyond anything that we could ever hope, dream, or imagine that was willing to step in to the pain and the filth of this life of which many of you have experienced as well. Why? Why would such a great God do that. You see, instead of coming to earth as a pampered, privileged ruler, Jesus was born into the gutter of our world. And here's what I want you to know to hopefully that this is going to help in your story, in my story. I think what it shows to me is that we have a God who is approachable, a God who is accessible, a God who is available. You see, we don't serve a God who lives behind the palace gates. There are no bars on the window. There is no posse of bodyguards preventing our approach to him. You see, he understands your moment. He understands the difficulty of which some of you have had to walk through. Because if we could take just that one second before and equate that to the second in which he gave to you and I, it's hard for us to make the connection. The Bible tells us a God who knew no sin became sin. Let sin be draped on him so that his love, his forgiveness, his power, his hope, his joy, he could freely offer to us today. See, Jesus was willing to endure the worst so that he could offer you his very best. I'm gonna ask the band to come and help me today. I want you to stay with me, church, in this final moment because here's what I want us to know on this very first Sunday of Christmas. As to where our minds begin to help process the story of this out-of-this-world Christmas. As we somehow try to understand this culture of heaven, this splendor and this glory somehow coming down to the filth of our worlds. How Jesus could have negated against the ask of his father. I mean, as much as we know, I mean, could it have been natural, right, within us for Jesus to say, hey, Dad, hold on here a minute. You want me to do what? 
You want me to show up how? You see, his birth reveals to you and I that God is willing to do whatever it takes to go to the very ends of the earth. To show you that there is nothing too difficult. There is no place he is not willing to go to show up in the midst of your mess. You see, Jesus knows mess. He knows the worst of earth because that's how he came. He came to reveal to you and I that we are not made for the gutter, but that we have been designed for his glory. And what I hope Christmas will reveal to you and to I this season is that God came to take you wherever you are at, to help you with this recognition that God so loved you that he sent his son. Not with pretentious, not with rules and regulations, not with only knowing him from a distance, but to knowing him in the midst of your hurt, your pain, your suffering, to know you that there is a God who is willing to walk into whatever mess that would encapsulate your life. There is hope at Christmas. There is joy that who we are, that where we are, is not who we can be and where one day we will be. Can somebody say amen with me today? But I want to give you one more thought before we leave today. And that is Christmas is more than just a story to know. But Christmas is a story to tell. See, it's not necessarily the, the sanitized version that, that we just want to kind of convince ourselves in. But it's to help us to know the, the darker side of Christmas, the gutter side of Christmas. You see, because it's not just your story that we want changed. But how many know that there are family members, that there are coworkers, that there are people around in your world that need to know the power, the forgiveness, the love, and the joy of the Savior who has come for us today? See, the Christmas story is more than one that, that we just know. But I want to challenge you in these coming days that it is a Christmas story that you are going to tell. See, what is the reason for shepherds in the story? I mean, you would think if this high dignitary, this son of God was going to show up, that certainly there would be fanfare. Certainly there would have been a group that had already assembled around 
Bethlehem. There would have been a red carpet. There would have been already provision that had made. There would have been a palace for him to be born in. That Mary and Joseph's lives were about to radically change because the Son of God was about to show up. But God gave the job of the announcement of the Son of God to shepherds. Now, I think most of you might know in the in the category of the who's who of Jerusalem, how many know shepherds weren't anywhere near the top? In fact, to be quite honest, they were almost at the bottom. I mean, here's one of these other parts of the Christmas story that is a little bit of a head-scratcher. Not only why, Jesus, you would come to us in the way that you would come to us, but why is it that you would give the message to tell the announcement of your birth to shepherds? Certainly, there had to be way more important people to let people know just who you are. So why did God choose the lowliest members of society and entrust them with the greatest truth of all the ages? You may remember that when Jesus began his ministry and for those that he was going to journey with here in life for those three years, that we look back at the disciples and oftentimes we would say, what was Jesus thinking then too, right? He didn't necessarily pick the best and the brightest. In fact, most of the time when we read through the New Testament and and Jesus' seemingly frustration because as many times as they saw it, they just still didn't seem to get it. Gee, I wonder who that sounds like. You see, God was willing to take the average and the ordinary. And with his touch, with his words, could make something extraordinary happen. You see, why did God use shepherds? Why would God choose those men as his disciples? Well, I think, first of all, it's because they had the capacity to be humbled and amazed that God chose them to hear the news first. In fact, they were probably thinking that on the way to the manger that evening. Why us? Why me? Why? You see, it's an answer to another one of those why questions in your life. Why would God do this for me? Why has God been so, so good? Why? You see, because God wants to display his glory on those who understand It's nothing about me. It has everything to do with him. You see, Christmas will come alive to you this year when you recognize it's more blessed to what? It's more blessed to give. Why? Because when we look back and realize what we have been able to receive, this God of heaven coming to you and I in such a way and entrusting salvation, entrusting the gospel message to me, 
doesn't it seem unbelievable? Doesn't it seem how in the world? You see, I'm so blessed to hear some of your stories to recognize that maybe a year ago, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe five or 10 years ago, you realized of who you used to be, about some of the things that, that encapsulated your life and how different you are today because of Christ. Because he was willing to come to show you, you can come, you can approach me, you can hang out with me, but God, I'm messy, I'm broken, I'm messed up. My pedigree is, is nothing like so and so and so and so. And God has the ability to look into your heart to say that's okay because you're exactly why I came. You see, the shepherds were given the wonderful task to go and tell. After they had seen the baby Savior, they, the Bible tells us they spread the words. Of everything they saw, of everything they were told, they made a point to go and tell. Can I tell you, if God has done something in your life, can I ask you, you have a story to tell. Most of us complain about all of the bad things that happen in our life, but could we take a pause and could we recognize today that God, he has been so good. Can we transform this Christmas season this year to recognize that we have a story to tell? We have a savior to declare that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been, there's a God who gets you. There's a God who came just for you. Listen, I wanna pray over you today, but I wanna ask you to just pray with me for these two things for this Christmas. Because I believe that it still begs two questions to be answered for you and I to question again this year. Number one, have you made room for Jesus? Have you made room for Jesus? It's a question that now has been asked over 2,000 years. You see, why was Jesus born in a barn? Because then, and maybe like even today, even in this room, because people did not make room for Jesus. Can I ask you today as I pray with you and I pray over you today, maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never made room in your life for Jesus. What a wonderful gift. What a wonderful opportunity today to begin this season. Maybe for some of you, you're here today and maybe it's been a while since you've recognized that the King of Heaven came for you. Maybe you realize it's more than a story. It's a reality that each and every one of us need to face. Maybe, maybe the baby has been in the manger, but he needs to be in your heart today. I'm gonna pray with you today that you will make room for Jesus. And the second thing I'm going to pray with you about is the need for more shepherds. The need for more of us, just average, everyday people to spread the word about Jesus. That you take him with you in the morning. 
that you talk about him in the afternoon, that you pray that, give him to your children as you put them to bed, that we, as shepherds of the glory of God, that we would take Jesus with us everywhere that we go and spread this wonderful word. Would you